0: A farming program with Arrowquip steel stockholders Withhambrook Industrial Estate, Grantham. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts.
1: The sustainable farming incentive (SFI) may keep many farms afloat, as well as doing good for the environment. But there are major concerns over it adversely affecting food production.
2: The potential for unintended consequences of the sustainable farming incentive should be of significant concern for all of us in the food production
1: industry as well, of course, ultimately for consumers as well. We're looking ahead to Mind Your Head Week and the Lincolnshire Farming Conference.
0: The theme for this year's conference and the title is Future Farming Opportunities, Biodiversity and Carbon.
1: And the big farmland bird count is on plus the week's farming news, weather and markets. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, hope you've had a good week. Welcome to The Farming Programme podcast for the 4th of February. I'm Steve Orchard. In the news this week, post-Brexit controls on food, plant and animal imports to Britain from the EU have come into force. Health certificates will now be required on EU goods ranging from cut flowers to fresh produce, including meat, fruit and vegetables. The implementation of the changes has been delayed five times, in part to give businesses time to prepare and to reduce disruption to supply chains. The new border checks will also be phased in over the next year with physical checks starting from the 30th of April. Cases of Schmallenberg virus, SBV, have been rising across the country in recent months. To date, SBV has been confirmed in Carmarthenshire, Ceredigion, Cornwall, Devon, Dorset, Gloucestershire, Hampshire and Hereford. And The virus has also been detected on the Isle of Wight, Kent, Leicestershire, Oxfordshire, Pembrokeshire, Shropshire, Somerset, Warwickshire and Worcestershire. It's not a notifiable virus, but the NFU is urging farmers to be vigilant for signs such as fever, milk drop and diarrhoea and Amazon has confirmed that the third series of Clarkson's Farm will launch on the 3rd of May according to Amazon Prime the new series finds Clarkson's Oxfordshire Farm Diddley squat facing some seriously daunting challenges the crops are failing in the severe hot weather inflation has driven prices of supplies sky high dreams for the beloved restaurant are dashed and now the farm shop also faces closure so just another normal week on a farm then how many different species of birds are there on your farm? Are the numbers going up or down? Why do we need to know? The big farmland bird count is back. And to tell us more, I got the binoculars out and met Lincolnshire farmer Andrew Ward. Why do we count the birds each year? What's the point of it
3: all? Well, the point of it is that British agriculture and farming in the past has had a a, a bad name to say that um, all the uh, the areas of land that we've changed over the years, over 20, 30 years ago, when farming was restructured, hedges were were removed, and 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 a lot of people say that we damaged the countryside. And so, for the last 20 years or so, we've been putting things back into the countryside, been putting areas of habitat back, doing lots to help the wildlife and the environment and nature. And there has been a reduction over songbirds and some bird species over the years. But some of those are now uh, on the reverse in going up. It's all about documenting what we're doing for nature, what we're doing for wildlife and the environment, and just highlighting the good things that we do. Because a lot of farmers do good things. We do encourage wildlife and we feed songbirds, as you've seen around here. And we do lots of things to encourage them. So it's all about recognising what we've got out there the species of birds we've got there but it also helps i think because there is some good data out there by some organizations to say what songbirds have been depleted and what haven't and where they are and this just adds further to that and it's it's areas in the countryside areas on farms that probably a lot of this research hasn't been done before
1: so what happens to this data andrew when you when it's all collected we know how many of each species
3: all the data is put together and it helps back up proper research where it's recorded the type of species and which birds are on the decline which are on the incline and and just keeps a general check on on farm species because what we see out in the countryside is far different to what you might see in a town
1: so what do farmers actually have to do to take part in this i know it started a couple of days ago it will still be relevant to take part from now what does a farmer actually have to do to take part in the count
3: So there's an application form or a survey form we need to fill in and that form can be found on the Game and Wildlife Conservation Trust website or GWCT. It will come out on, on, on Google and there's a full application form and, and it's got a load of species birds down there in the form. You want your name and address and you have to put your location where you are. And what you wanted to do is stand for half an hour in one position and just count and see the number of species of birds that's flying around and coming into, uh, in, into your area now obviously depends on where you stand as to where you what you'll see and so you need to pick an area that's fairly representative of the farm and you can move about a, a, little, a little space around the woodland or somewhere like that. But, but it doesn't require walking around a few fields. It requires walking in one area, quite a small area, and staying there, take a pair of binoculars and observe what species and how many you find in that area. And, and ideally, I've, I've been keeping, uh, been doing this a few years. And, uh, and, and you can just see you build a picture up of, of the birds from one year to the next.
1: And is that half an hour each day or just one single half hour period?
3: No, it's, it's one half an hour slot. That's all. That's all you need.
1: I'm sat here and I can see dozens of different species. What am I going
3: to do if I don't know what they are? Well, this is the biggest problem. And there are, there are one or two apps on your phone you can use that are very, very good. And if you download those apps, you can actually see these species. And also there are some apps that if you record the singing of the birds, and most of these birds are singing at the minute, if you hear them singing, you can just put that phone through the app and and let the bird's voice come through, and it'll tell you from the sing of the bird what, what species that bird is. So, yeah, you are quite right, Steve. Not not everyone can recognise, and I even there's quite a lot I don't recognise.
1: That's Lincolnshire farmer Andrew Ward. And since it's launched ten years ago, more than eleven thousand counts have taken place, recording 149 species across 1. 1.5 million acres. You can find out more about the Big Farmland Bird Count and take part at bfbc.org.uk. Not a lot new to talk about agronomy-wise this week, so I've asked Sean Sparling to give some thought to a topic discussed at the recent AICC conference and that's been on the mind of many in agriculture, SFI. We spoke about the recent changes on the programme a couple of weeks ago. So we've got the detail now, but the big concern is what happens to food production in the UK if huge numbers of farmers do what DEFRA seems to want them to do, turn over their land to non-food to take advantage of the incentives under SFI. Sean, good morning.
2: Yes, morning Steve. I think the potential for unintended consequences of the sustainable farming incentives should be of significant concern for all of us in the food production industry as well of course ultimately for consumers as well and the facts of the matter are that there are imminently going to be significant areas potentially of arable land being taken out of food production this spring and put into non-food producing SFI options more so than perhaps there would have been this year had it not been for the excessively wet conditions we saw since mid-September and the consequent lack of autumn cereal drilling, waterlogged soil conditions, meaning we've seen such a high proportion of drilled crop failures because of land too wet to cultivate, poor establishment and rotting seed from waterlogged anaerobic seed beds. Couple that to the worst year we've had for cabbage stem flea beetle damage in the rate since autumn 2019. And those SFI options, which are paying growers for literally taking land out of production and replacing it with legume mixes, wild bird covers, habitat restoration and all of the other options, starts to look rather financially attractive in a complicated year like this. Now, of course, it goes without saying there is an absolute acceptance farmers need to be incentivized to produce food more sustainably. And that protection of wildlife, nature, biodiversity, water, habitats, all absolutely absolutely vital and crucially important to us all as a nation and farmers understand that and we have to evolve we embrace change in agriculture but there's now a real risk that a wider adoption and implementation of SFI could well result in devastating consequences not just on the scale of food production domestically or on farming businesses per se but also on the associated agribusinesses farm contractors for example may well struggle to survive this you know with many if not all farm contracting businesses is reliant upon work managing seed beds, establishing crops, drilling, top dressing, spraying, spreading, harvesting arable crops for others throughout the arable production hotspots in the UK, of which, of course, Lincolnshire plays a massive role. Agronomy businesses too, like mine, potentially under threat if large areas of arable production no longer need that agronomic advice. And ultimately, of course, the big commercial suppliers of plant protection products, fertilisers, seeds, and all of the rest are suddenly going to be looking down the barrel of reducing demand thanks to those reducing areas as well. In fact, we already know several machinery manufacturers across the Midlands who are now finding it more and more difficult to do much other than scale back on production too. And the biggest concern is that by the time the speculation and the concern turns into any hard data... Too many association businesses could well have already been lost, particularly contractors, as I say, who are the most affected by the current high and increasing machinery costs. Add that to the uncertainty and you've got a recipe for disaster. DEFRA, they're pushing this as hard as they possibly can. They've increased the SFI payment rates by 10% on average. Of course, there are another 50-odd new actions to choose from alongside the original 50 updated ones. And by encouraging growers who've struggled off the back of the wet drilling season and flea beetle ridden on seed rate crops across the county just to stack up these options on their existing arable cropping land as part of a three-year SFI agreement for example they're blinded by that goal you know the heavy stuff for example simply doesn't lend itself to strict no-till precision farming practice adoption which is worth 73 quid a hectare but the action stipulates that growers have to direct drill straight into stubbles strip-till drills aren't eligible for this. So with the complications on the heavy land, meaning it isn't now, nor has it ever been a reliable way to establish and implement a crop, and also, of course, restrictions on herbicides that we've applied that may need certain cultivations before you plant a subsequent crop, it's often going to be either too wet or too dry on the heavier fields to direct drill, and definitely going to be suboptimal in many cases. That's going to potentially reduce yields as well. And then, even if the no-till box has been ticked and the intent is there to do the job right. What then happens when there's been structural damage caused by soils during a wet harvest or wet seasons like we've just been through and indeed are still sitting in the middle of? There are often plenty of situations on the heavier soils where they slump or where other deep remedial cultivation is imperative to protect soil health, where without the deeper leg cultivation, there could be drainage issues, increased risk of runoff, water pollution. DEFRA are planning to build in some clarification on the use of subsoiling into the no-till action detail but that's not going to happen before June when they clarify all of that and with many policymakers in Westminster getting no fresh air at all apart from the archers we just have to hope I suppose they understand the issues we face on heavy land but taking land out of production and putting it into schemes on a broad acre basis is now being actively encouraged by DEFRA and land agents alike and it feels to me for DEFRA that's the desire at any cost apparently even if that means we do cut back on food output even if we lose food producing farm businesses altogether even if we see small tenant farms going by the wayside because the landlords choose to stick those farms into an environmental scheme and get paid for not producing crop at all. Even if we see the allied trade struggle to continue and having to downsize because the client areas require less and less looking after. All I'm saying is that we're at the beginning of this whole SFI thing. There are 18.2 million hectares of agricultural land in the UK. Only 27% of that, around 4.7 million hectares, is capable of producing arable food crops the other 73% or 13 and a quarter million hectares isn't capable of growing arable crop so why not concentrate their effort on increasing biodiversity and managing and expanding the diversity of natural and historical habitats increasing the level of attention to the non-food producing land in the uk and protecting that better and more efficiently we should not be taking perfectly good arable land out of short or long term production whether that be for solar farm housing or otherwise even SFI and we should be actively ring fencing and protecting that 4.7 million hectares of finite food producing land. We should be focused upon making ourselves more sufficient as a country and in turn far less reliant upon other nations to grow the food that we can grow perfectly well here but because too big a chunk of that finite arable area has been stuck into a three-year SFI scheme or put under solar panels for 40 years, our ability to produce enough food to to maintain our current level of around 60% self-sufficiency becomes seriously compromised and we slowly reduce our ability to maintain food security. All because DEFRA are focused on this target of 2028 and 70%. It makes sense to take marginal land, unproductive, difficult areas of field, out of production. Of course it does. And put them into schemes like this. But that's pretty much been done already over the years. It just seems very wrong to me to be taking big areas of good land out of production and pay money not to grow crops, which is how this is structured. Our national population increases by about five million people every 10 years. So in 10 years time, when the population of the UK is getting up towards 75 million or even more, All of those people are going to want somewhere to live, to work, and of course, they're all going to want plenty to eat, so surely it makes far more sense to protect and ring-fence our food production area, that 4.7 million hectares. You can't eat a field of grass, and we're going to need more food to feed another 5 million people, not less. But in a world where nobody is anybody else's friend anymore, where the country that supports and feeds itself has food security and, by association, strength, our defragment to be paying farmers to go back to producing food in five years, ten years' time. If they are, they need to be absolutely sure that the country still has the farming businesses, the allied trade businesses, and the structure of agriculture to do so. Now, that may all sound a little bit over the top, but it really isn't. Food production and farming is the last great industry we have left in the UK. DEFRA should be using all of their reserves to support our farmers in years like this, where their crops couldn't be drilled, or which were drilled, but have been lost because of the weather or to pests. They should not be encouraging farmers to chuck in the towel. Think about it. That's all I'm saying.
1: Your thoughts? Drop me an email, steve at linksfm.co.uk. Thanks very much, Sean. Sean Sparling, Sparling Agronomy Services. We'll be back in the fields next week. Coming up, Lincolnshire Farming Conference is back this week. We'll get a sneak preview and look ahead to Mind Your Head Week, and we'll check the markets and weather.
0: The Farming Programme with our equipped Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate, Grantham, supplying the region for over 40 years.
1: This is the Farming Programme Podcast. I'm Steve Orchard. We talk about mental health in farming regularly on the programme, and rightly so. In a few days, a campaign kicks off to raise awareness of a growing issue in the industry, our emotional, psychological and social well-being. Back for its seventh year is Mind Your Head Week from the Farm Safety Foundation. Here's Yellow Wellies Stephanie Barclay. Stephanie, what is the problem with mental health in farming then?
4: Well, the problem with mental health in farming is that we're now aware of it. Conversations are now happening about it, and that's fantastic. Seven years into the campaign, to actually get people to be aware of it, the problem is now, what are we going to do about it? So this year's campaign is not going to talk about the fact that it is an issue. And we know now there's more recognition in the industry of the impact that it has on the industry itself, the people that are working in it and farm safety. But what we do want people to be aware of is that there, the industry is doing something about it and there are individuals out there doing something about it. And we also want people to know that they can do something about it themselves. So that is really very much it's a much, much positive call to action that there is this year.
1: Now, you say seven years been doing this. Mm -hmm. Have things changed uh, with all this publicity around mental health and mental health in farming and awareness improving?
4: Has it got any better? Yes. In 2018, when we started the campaign, cast your mind back to Brexit days, um, we didn't know there was going to be COVID. We didn't know there was going to be the Ukraine situation. We didn't know there was going to be a cost of living crisis. So it just seems that farmers have had all of these things again and again. There doesn't seem to be any respite to them. But seven years ago, farmers weren't talking about mental health. They weren't talking about it at all. They are now talking about it. There seems to have been a shift in that stigma that there has been attached to it. There are a lot more people being very open with their stories, with their struggles, and actually normalizing conversations in and around their mental well being and actually thinking about resilience. How do they bounce forward? How do they move forward from something that's maybe. Given them sort of a bit of a stop in the tracks moment. So there is a lot of different attitudes to it. It's been there in younger um, audiences, but in older audiences, we find them a lot more willing to talk about it and actually to admit that, you know, yeah, I've struggled. And then it help encourages others to admit that too, because we all, none of us can go through life perfect all the time. And we shouldn't even try to, you know, fool ourselves that it is that way.
1: It's becoming slowly but surely more accepted. I was at um, one of the livestock markets recently and Lincolnshire Rural Support Network were there and they were offering, as they do, health checks to farmers. Now, a few years ago, I don't think they'd have got any takers for those at all. When I was there last week, a regular supply of farmers there wanting to actually come and have a blood pressure check, a cholesterol check, Bit of advice on on their well-being and so on so these things slowly but surely seem to be becoming accepted which is brilliant news now we know that safety in farming has its issues and has its problems and our safety record is not good how does mental health in farming compare do we know compared to other industries
4: well compared to other industries we know that farmers have unique stressors that other industries don't They actually don't have it. Other industries aren't at the mercy of the weather, the elements, you know, politics, admin, testing, you know, crime that impacts not just the farm business, but actually the farmhouse, the home, you know, all of those things. The rural isolation, there's not too many industries where somebody can work for 10 plus hours a day with not another human being to speak to. That's why the the livestock markets are so central and organisations like Lincolnshire Rural Support Network, they're so vital as that potential touch point for somebody, that friendly face, that hand that can say, you know what, your, your blood pressure's skyrocketed. Is there something going on that maybe is affecting it at the minute think starting those very friendly conversations because people care, you know, and the whole thing about mental health and farming is that it is connected to farm safety. We have a poor safety record. We also have a poor record of looking after ourselves, putting everything else, livestock, machines, land animal welfare what about the human welfare you know the human at the center of the farm business is the most important asset on the farm that's the person that needs to be looking after themselves first
1: organizations like Lincolnshire Rural Support Network the Farm Community Network and others are there to help they're they're there with an ear they're prepared to advise and assist and so on which is brilliant and more power to their elbow but yeah we still need to spread the word don't we so what's actually involved in mind your head week
4: okay so this week actually i'm just in the middle of writing an article about the fact that there's so many different types of farm businesses and organizations that are going to people like farming community network to people like rabi to people like actually samaritans as well to get trained to learn more about it to get make sure that their staff who are down the farm lane know and more about the situation, how mental health is affecting the industry, what the signs and symptoms can be of somebody that actually could be struggling there's that. We're also working with um, Lenslight and the livestock markets because there's a big farming tea break as part of Lenslight. Andy and Linda Eden, let's, who won Farmers Weekly Champions um, last year, who basically have had the busiest year ever, taking a tractor from the length and breadth of the country, as well as pit stopping in the Houses of the Parliament. You know, these guys have basically gone out and said, we want people during Mind Your Head Week to get together at the livestock market, to have a conversation, to talk, to stay in contact with each other, to really bring that sense of community back to farming, which we have, but sometimes we can forget about it when we're busy doing all the things that farmers do on a day-to-day basis.
1: Are there events planned? Are you wanting farmers to do anything or to uh, spread the word?
4: well we will have things on social media um right throughout the week we're also starting our reach out to media with some very exciting uh, people that we have involved in the campaign this year we've got kelvin and liz fletcher involved again we've got adam henson who has his series of podcasts the keeping on track podcast and we also have a very exciting exclusive screening of a, a short British award-winning film, 18 minutes long, called Wake. It stars Gavin and Stacy Starr, Alison Steadman, uh, Paul Dark's Mark Frost, Emmerdale's Louisa Klein, and Up and Coming star Stuart Campbell in this very poignant um depiction of the aftermath of a suicide in a farming family. We're having an exclusive screening of that with the producers for the campaign and we'll be sharing it on our channels as well. So there's an awful lot happening. There's the big farming tea break. It's Valentine's Day. So even if there's one day in the week that farmers can show some love to themselves and to to each other, do it on the Wednesday. But we also wanna talk about something that a lot of farmers don't really know an awful lot about, therapy. What does it look like when you pick up the phone to one of these fantastic rural support um, groups or farming charities? What happens if you are referred to therapy? It's not lying on a couch with somebody with a clipboard. It can be somebody having a conversation over the phone, you know, via Zoom or Teams. It can be face to face. It can actually look whatever you want it to look like. It's not scary. It's just about talking.
1: I think that's a good point, because maybe some people have put off even picking the phone up in the first place, because they've got a preconceived idea of what's going to happen. Am I going to be judged? Am I going to have to explain myself? That ain't the case, is it?
4: It's not. It's not. And, you know, I've I've undergone, you know, therapy. It wouldn't be like, you know, do as I say, not as I do. You know, I've done that. I know and I understand what counselling looks like. And we've actually got two people and, and we're doing a podcast with Becca and Lizzie. And I'm turning the tables on one of them who's actually undergone it herself, and actually explaining what is therapy and what does it mean to her. What if you don't like your therapist? By the way, you know you can change them. Things like that that we don't often think about because we're too scared to learn about it. So we're just trying to get that information out there. Farmers can do what they want to with it. They might think that they recognise those signs and symptoms in themselves or even somebody that they live or work with. And then again as always encouraging people to talk.
1: It's all important stuff and I know it's it's a couple of weeks away yet but where do we go for more information and to find out what's going on with Mind Your Head Week and not just Mind Your Head Week of course the rest of the year too.
4: Absolutely because it's not just for one week we do this all the time but Actually, if you follow at Yellow Willies UK, if you're on social media, if you're on Facebook, Instagram or X, our website yellowwellies.org has a lot of information um, that can be downloaded. And actually, the week of the 12th to the 16th, if you just look up the hashtag Mind Your Head, you should be getting a lot of our content because a lot of people do f- support us and share their own stories, their own experiences. And actually what they're doing to help everybody as well. So it's a very positive week in the year and it's one that we need people to support us in.
1: And you will get plenty of support, I'm sure. Stephanie Barkley from the Farm Safety Foundation, Yellow Wellies, talking about Mind Your Head Week. Thanks for joining us once again on the farming programme. Always a pleasure, Steve. What are you doing on Thursday this week? Along with hundreds of others, I'll be at the Lincolnshire Showground for the 8th Lincolnshire Farming Conference, a key date in the farming calendar, and chaired once again by Kelly Houston Fisher, who joins us with a little taster what's the theme this year Kelly?
0: The theme for this year's conference and the title is Future Farming Opportunities Biodiversity and Carbon and this really relates to the transition in support for agriculture um, and that's happening in all devolved nations so we're transitioning from direct payments which historically have been focused on food production to payments for public goods for example environmental protection and recovery so we feel that this conference really brings experts and specialist speakers to be able to talk about what those opportunities and options look like um, to be able to support farming businesses.
1: Because there is a little bit of concern isn't there over a lot of land being taken out of food production to go into SFI schemes. Um, How are we going to maintain that balance?
0: DEFRA say that 42% of farmers won't be profitable without the basic payment scheme. So that payment scheme looking at that direct payment focused on food production. So as you say, there is a concern that there's a big pendulum being swung for payments for public goods. Um, For example, as I said, the environmental protection. So will landowners look to um, those markets and actually, as you say, ear away from food production? Um, But as you and I both know, we all have to eat. And we also know that actually conflicts um, globally, um, climate change globally, geopolitical challenges globally, they all have a big impact on the food that we import. The target is that the UK is 60% self-sufficient. Currently, we're below 50%. So we have some work to do to even meet that target. And so if you and I want to continue eating then and eating food, then we, we have to certainly look at how we support those farmers to produce food as we go forward.
1: Who have you got speaking this year?
0: We've got a great lineup of speakers. It's a really um, full packed agenda. Um, so we're kicking off with Michael Kavanagh from the Green Farm Collective, looking at adding value to regenerative farms through carbon biodiversity and premium produce sales. We've then got Liz Bowles, the CEO from the Farm Carbon Toolkit. So looking at how we can get to grips with carbon. We've got Neil Fuller from Sustainable Landscapes on Climate Smart Farming. So looking at food, future food solutions that, that do not cost the earth. We've got Janet Hughes, the Programme Director at DEFRA um, on ELMS, the Environmental Land Management Scheme. So looking at the opportunities for farmers through those schemes. Um, We've got James Brown from Polybell Farm on cultivating change and rethinking farmed peatlands, which we know are a great source where we can potentially sequester carbon. And our keynote speaker is David Webster, the CEO from LEAF. So an absolute fantastic lineup and a huge thank you to our sponsors who do make this conference happen as well so thank you to them.
1: Yeah certainly going to be a big day and lots of varied speakers there and exhibitors.
0: We've got lots of exhibitors lined up so you can come along um, and there's lots of stands so you can have conversations with those as well. There's workshops happening so in the morning at 8.30 before the main conference starts we've got two great workshops so do come along early and see those as well. We've got um, LRSN with their health hut as well so come along and get a health check so there's lots going on it's a great conference. Great for the county but also for neighbouring counties and It's a huge privilege for me to be able to chair a farming conference in my home county. So I am super excited.
1: And you chaired it last year, of course, as well.
0: I did. I chaired it last year. It was a fantastic conference again last year. A great range of speakers, and you know, it was great to see a, you know a good number of students as well attending the event. This is really looking at the future of the agricultural sector. So it you know involves all of us to be part of this transition. Uh, it's going to require some innovation, innovative thinking, and we all need to be part of that conversation.
1: Absolutely. And there's a social element to this as well, isn't there? Because it's an opportunity to, particularly over lunchtime, coffee breaks and so on, to get together with people you might not see very often.
0: Yeah, we've built in those coffee breaks and that lunchtime, as you say, with the opportunity to network, to have a look at those exhibitors, to speak to the sponsors, um, but also to speak to others that are attending the event. Um, As I said, there's a range of attendees um, throughout the agri-food sector, so it's a great opportunity to come along to speak to people old and new, um, and as you say, to, to have that social interaction.
1: Excellent. Just finally then, remind us when, where and where we go for tickets and information.
0: So the Lincolnshire Farming Conference, the theme of looking at future opportunities, biodiversity and carbon is on Thursday, the 8th of February at the Lincolnshire Showground. And more information is available on the Lincolnshire Showground website. Workshops begin at 8.30 and the events will close at 3pm.
1: Kelly, another fantastic Lincolnshire Farming Conference on the way. Thank you for joining us again on the farming programme.
0: Thank you, and I look forward to
1: seeing you there. Links FM Farming. Market reports. Starting with livestock and from Mason's Rural at Louth Livestock Market, good morning to auctioneer Ed Middleton. Good morning, Steve. Uh, this week starting off with the sheep.
5: Uh, this week had an SQQ of 282.6 pence per kilo. Uh, a welcoming increase in numbers this week and a firm trade for the best well-finished hogs. Meat is key to the top end returns. Top spot this week go to weekly supporters H. Smith & Sons of Mablethorpe at £158. And in the pence per kilo, topping at 309 pence per kilo, were Ben & Pippa Williams of Mablethorpe. Other leading prices were P.S. Marsden & Sons of Lincoln at 150 147 and £145. Farms Limited of Horncastle at 145 and 142 H. Smith and Sons of Mablethorpe, again with other pens at 151, 147 and 146. Chamberlain Brothers of Sixth Hills at 147. A.J. Colson and Sons of Market Raisin at 148, 141 and 140. C.A. Mottram and Sons of Lincoln at 143 and 138. And S. Cosgrove of Market Raisin at 142 and 141. That concludes the prime hogs onto the cool use. An excellent trade with some top use on offer. Top spot this week goes to T J Baxter of Oldford with a super sex use, uh, topping at 180 pounds. Other prices were T Kirk of Lusby at 130 and Appleby Farming of Louth at 136. Mules topped at 94, with still the best continental use at 140 pounds upwards. That concludes this week's market report. Uh, we sell again on Monday the 5th of February with all classes of cattle and sheep. And a reminder, this week is store cattle week. So store cattle entries are welcome. Please give me a call to discuss. I'm Edward Middleton, auctioneer at Louth
1: Livestock Market. Thanks, Ed. And with a look at the grain markets this week, Open Fields, Kit Dickinson.
6: Morning, Kit. Well, good morning, Steve. The wheat market continued its decline under pressure from speculative and fund selling in the absence of fresh support fundamental inputs. The UK wheat futures market is over £30 below where it was when the war broke out on the 24th of the 2nd, 2022, despite the war showing no signs of ending and tensions escalating in the Middle East. Algorithmic computer-generated trading is increasingly replacing the human element, bringing with it increased volatility and an environment where technical chart-based trading is becoming increasingly influential and self fulfilling filling. EU prices remain pressurised by cheap Ukrainian wheat and maize flowing into the markets over land and sea, which has intensified farmers' protests across France, Belgium, Italy, Spain, Germany, Poland, Romania and Denmark against what they consider unfair competition from the Ukraine. EU weekly soft wheat export data narrowed the gap against last year to 5% following the pickup in shipments and a sharp fall in prices has made the EU wheat more competitive. Data is still incomplete, so the gap could be smaller. Meanwhile, Russia and the Ukraine maritime exports have slowed, likely due to the Red Sea conflicts, which could benefit EU exports. However, any fresh demand continues to find willing sellers. Looking at barley this week, Vanews continue to track other commodities with maltsters seem to have a decent amount of cover in the spot position. Further out, there are signs that demand could be beginning to emerge for the April-May-June positions with premiums still looking strong, albeit at lower levels. New crop values are slipping in sympathy with the old crop, however, the forecasted large area across Europe and the UK is not in the ground yet. While stocks to use look ample for new crop, demand is also revised up with little to no carry over for 2023. Oilseed rape, after nearing €440 Euros last week, Matif Rapeseed has lost the momentum and is back retesting at €420 support level this week. Crude oil rallied to start the week, reaching a recent high of $84 a barrel, as escalating tensions in the Middle East fuels supply concerns. However, prices have fallen since on concerns about the outlook of China's economy. On Monday, the news of liquidation from the property giant Evergrande Group rattled the markets and on Wednesday, the official factory survey showed China's manufacturing activity in January to contract for the fourth straight month. This has raised concerns around China's demand for commodities and crude oil. Chicago soybeans, molasses palm oil and matif rapeseed have all contracted down on the news. So looking at prices this week, feed wheat for February 156 to 166, March 161 to 171, May 165 to 175 and November new crop 181 to 191. Milling wheat premiums are circa £65. Feed barley for March 135 to 145, May 138 to 148, and November new crop 140 to 150. For malting barley premiums, please do speak to your open field farm business manager. And lastly, all seed rape for February 330 to 340, March 332 to 342, and May 334 to 344.
1: Thanks, Kit. The Farming Programme, 5-Day Forecast. A mixed picture this week, a mostly dry start, but some heavy rains expected midweek. Brisk winds from the west today, cloudy with highs of 12 Celsius, mild overnight and similar tomorrow and through the day on Tuesday. Overnight into Wednesday sees the rain arrive and it turns colder with a high for the second half of the week of just three degrees as the wind veers round to come from the northeast quick congratulations to Taryn Lee and all involved with the Louth Christmas Tractor Run which raised over £20,000 for cancer research and a reminder of the Ag Careers event taking place at Lincolnshire Showground on Tuesday. I'll see you there on Thursday if you're going to the Farming Conference reports next Sunday and we'll be chatting with the latest Yield Enhancement Network champion and reporting from the Yorkshire Agricultural Machinery Show. I'm Steve Orchard until next week's Farming Programme podcast. Have a great
0: week. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate, Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited.